Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined, as always, by the master of receipts. It's NYJ Matt. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Obviously, the Jets are 0-1. And I always talk about how there's never been a normal loss over the past two years. And I think you can almost chalk this one up as a normal loss. They didn't play well in the first half, came back and made really good adjustments. The only problem is the injuries that happened during the game and, and, and what happened. But, like, we'll start off with you. Give me your thoughts on the game, and we can go you know, beat by beat, but just overall thoughts. And before you do that, quick reminder – We'll probably do a 15, 20-minute recap after each game uh, on Monday record, post on Tuesday, and then we'll go ahead. And if we have an interview, it'll be a little bit longer. But, Mike, take us through the game. Well, the most important thing is that Zach Wilson is good at football. He knows he he knows what he's doing. He looked uh, – his arm strength plays. He made a couple of wow throws. Um, and other than that, uh, you know, the defense was great. The defense was really good in the second half. They let up. 270 yards in the first half and just a little over hundred yards in the second half. Um, but man, like the offensive line struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker struggled in pass protection. Mackay Beckton goes down on Zach Wilson's touchdown. You know, immediate thought is that it's an ACL ends up. He dislocated his kneecap, which is actually a good thing. and kind of explains why he was, you know, reacted the way that he did. He was probably in an insane amount of pain. Um, but Zach Wilson looked good. Everything else, yeah. We'll go. We'll go beat by beat. So Zach Wilson, you're right. He he has a lively arm. He knew that. He throws the ball well. He made good decisions. Made I think two two throws. One was a pick, and one could have been a pick. I think people automatically chalked it up. Even the pick could yeah. have been another pick. Like the other guy behind, right? Zach right, right. Thompson would have probably picked it off. And my my favorite thing about Wilson, and I, my biggest fear, and we talk about stats a lot and why they matter. Like there isn't there isn't an opportunity for him to be like thirteen for twenty eight, twenty seven with one hundred and sixty eight yards. Like that was very possible. And then that ninety three yard drive where he, you know, settled in, had a really great drive. I mean, throwing for 258 and two touchdowns in your debut is good on the road in a, a high-pressured game where you're facing the old quarterback. My favorite thing that Zach Wilson did is no matter what the play calling was, he threw the ball hard. He got the open guy. And I, I was very disappointed with the play calling to start the game because I wanted to have quick plays, get completions, make him feel like he's an NFL quarterback right off the bat. He started one for seven, and not, not to a fault of his own. We'll talk about the offensive line in a minute, but – I was getting frustrated watching every incompletion come through. And I'm like, just give him an easy throw. I don't care if it gets two yards. He's, he can't run up the middle on first down and then go for a 15-yard pass on second down and have a second to throw. Yeah, and if you even the distribution of targets was bizarre. I saw Michael Nanny had tweeted it out where Berrios had seven targets, Tyler Croft had five, and Ryan Griffin had six. Meanwhile, Elijah Moore and Denzel Mim combined for five. You know? Yeah. And Denzel Mims have only played two snaps and had a 40-yard catch. But and I was surprised to see that, especially without uh, Crowder and Keelan Cole. Like, I guess Mims is just going to be a non-factor, which is odd. Yeah, I think Salah bounced around a little bit in his press conference. I was listening to it. He brought up the fact that they went three and out a lot so that receivers weren't fatigued. So he said that the core of more Davis and Barrios were able to play and not get fatigued. And I get that. 
But then he brought up the importance of knowing each position, you know, slot or outside, axis Z, whatever. And it almost like he sounded as if Mims didn't know what to do in each role or the playbook. It was a very off, you know, out of nowhere quote, and no one really talked about it. I thought that was unique. I don't know if it was a dig at him, but yeah, again, we thought with Cole out and Crowder out, this is an opportunity for Mims to really earn a starting role or earn more playing time. And he never even had the opportunity to do it, which was a little bit frustrating. I know you're a big fan of running the football. I, I feel like the Jets, we don't know the identity even following week one because it was such a weird game. They didn't run the ball effectively. And, and, and that probably pissed you off the most. That's what I was going to say is, is one of the things we talked about coming into this game is what is the Jets identity. And this was a common theme under and this is not, I'm not saying things are going to be like Adam Gase, but just when the Jets had Adam Gase, one of the problems was his supposed offense was they needed to run the football a lot and get into these plus situations, yada, yada, yada. And it didn't really happen, especially 2019. You think about Le'Veon Bell, averaged 3.2 yards a carry. Um, so then this year, the Jets need to run the football effectively to open up LaFleur's play-action game, to do those fun things you know, open up all these motion guys. And then when you do throw Elijah Moore a one yard flip pass and, uh, and he doesn't end around, he'll get more than negative two yards and right. stuff like that. And it just didn't work. Um, Zach Wilson was able to salvage some situations and, you know, throw for 258 yards, make some difficult throws. Uh, but it's, it just sucked because again, like you want to see the Jets offense do what it's supposed to do and impose their will. And the offensive line did not give them a chance to do that. Yeah, Beckton had a rough game in pass pro before he got injured. They didn't. They ran the ball right more than they did left, but even when they went left, not a lot of success there. AVT graded out better as a runner, but he allowed a team high in pressures. McGovern, it felt like a lot of the blitzes up the middle got to him in GVR and people got through, and, and fans starting at right tackle again, all five not hitting and the reason why the Moses signing is so important is because now you can put fan left tackle Moses, the right tackle. You don't have to worry about a guy like Chuma who's already hurt. doesn't even matter. Or Conor McDermott who's also hurt, right? You're looking at down the, the depth chart. There is an Avenue where ABT might have to move over to right tackle. It, it, it's very possible. And you don't want to do that to a guy that you're trying to plug there at left guard for a decade. But the offensive line, I brought up the point in the preseason there is no depth there. Dan Feeney owns the backup for the every interior offensive line spot. And a tackle, they're, they're very thin as well. But the Moses signing is huge. Hopefully, you could tell that they were pissed. GVR and McGovern after the game were not happy. They were frustrated. You could feel the accountability. Uh, you know, I, I'm fine with losing a game like this. The sour part to me is we didn't deserve to win at all with how we played. But we could have if we played average. And that's the thing that, I'll, that I took away from the game. And they just didn't get the job done. Yeah, the Jets did not look good. They got down 16 nothing. It easily could have been 20 nothing. They missed an extra point. 24 nothing. if the Panthers kicked a field goal. Well, so the Panthers fumbled on the Jets' whatever 10-yard line for no reason. Off a, you know, they their fullback knocked the ball out of Sam's hand. And then... They should have just kicked a field goal on the first drive. They're on like the 35-yard line and punted for no reason for like a net of 19 yards. So the Jets could have lost this game by a lot more. It's probably the best – one of the better case scenarios with how the outcome turned out. It's easier to 
mentally to lose 19 to 14 and think that it was a, you know, closer game. The Jets get one more stop. They had a chance there at the end. It would have been interesting to see just like the 2010 uh, AFC championship game, but yeah. you know, well, 1914, not the best. The Jets just they have to run the football. Like, and you know, obviously the Jets were losing a lot in this game. So you understand it's, it's, it's good too. So the Jets threw the ball 37 times and they, or well, really dropped back 43 times and they ran the ball 17 times. This was the kind of game under in the Gase era where the Jets would be losing like 16, nothing. And then they would run the ball 32 times and throw 23. So at least, you know, the Jets are going to play to the situation. They're going to be a normal football team. That's why they came back in the game. Zach Wilson showed some magic, but man, six sacks, uh, 45 yards on the ground for the team. Disheartening. It's not, the identity of this current team. Yeah, I agree. Who stood out to you uh, positively? I mean, obviously, man, Amendola was a cool, unique thing because when a punter goes down, you're afraid that now you're going to go for it on every fourth down in plus territory, or you're going to have a 20-yard punt and have trouble flipping the field. Amendola did great. I don't understand people that want to keep him as a punter long-term. I think that's a very bad decision. I don't care about the extra roster spot you have to get a punter who is a punter. Like I have no problem getting a punter for the next month. And I, it's a weird take. Cause I don't think a lot of people agree with it. I just, man, I'm never punted before. If he was a punter in high school and a little bit in college and whatever, he, I think he just kind of lucked into one and I'm happy he did it and played well. Yeah. He punted well throughout the game, but look what happened in the Browns game. The Browns punter dropped the ball against the chiefs and they lost because of that. Basically the Browns were up by like four and, he, he dropped the he dropped the snap with on his own you know fifteen yard line. Jets cannot lose a game because Matt Amendola doesn't know what the hell he's doing, but he was incredible in the game. Corey Davis, ninety seven yards and two touchdowns, looks like a legitimate number one guy. Uh, is a positive, and Berrio stepped up nicely for Crowder. You got the sack from John Franklin Myers. Um, so you know there are some positives to take away, but the defense predictably probably struggled you know, at the linebacker position, even CJ Mosley didn't grade out so well. He graded out like a 29, but I thought he, he looked like he was flying around the field. Yeah. The defense, I mean, the biggest underwhelming part was Quinnen didn't win his matchup against a, a very weak interior offensive line. And that was a big problem with Quinnen his rookie year, right? Very quiet games. You know, the third quarter, I think all collectively, we all sat there and thought, is Quinnen even playing today? Um, and obviously you don't need to get quarterback pressures or sacks if you're going to make an impact in the game. But again, the Jets weren't great against the run. Um, they were okay. And that's a large part to Foley being the highest grade player on the team. I thought Marcus may played really well. Marcus may had made two or three tackles on third down that could have easily with an average safety have been a first down the corners. Again, the corners played well, and that was a big question mark. They played moderately well third down. The Jets played really well until the fourth quarter where they got the outside run that iced the game. Linebackers are okay. Pressure, not bad. A handful of sacks. It, it was just an okay day from the defense, but you made a great point earlier. If, if they kick a field goal or go for it on that fourth down instead of punting and or don't fumble that ball, maybe we look at the defense a little bit differently. But I, I think it was a good game from the defense. I was fine with it. Anytime you let up, what, 19 points, you're hoping that your offense can win you that game. And I think LaFleur is going to take ownership because if I could bring up one person who I think didn't 
do his best job, it's LaFleur. And that's because of the early play calling, not being able to establish the run, which I know you have to pivot from it. You made a great point that in Adam Gates' era, you'd keep running the ball. And Salop not punting on fourth and eight down two scores is exactly what you want to see out of your head coach. Because if you punt there, and Todd Bowles has punted there before, then you don't have Zach Wilson leading that drive. So I'm happy he went for it there. Yeah, so definitely a couple of positives to take away. But, and then also the injuries are just, you know, so frustrating. You get Michael Nanny also tweeted out, you get nine combined snaps for the entire year out of Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry, and LaMarcus Joyner. So, I mean, now the Jets are going to be, like, in a bad spot at safety until uh, Ashton Davis comes back which is supposed to be week four. But until then, I guess, is going to be Sheldrick Redwine alongside Marcus May. That's terrifying. Not good. Not good at all. They have to bring in new bodies to play. You're not – I know New England's not New England, but they they still have a top three NFL head coach, and that is terrifying that we're going into a game. Um, They have a great office coordinator as well, obviously. So it's it's not a great, great feeling – playing New England next week. But, of course, we talked about it. If you lose an NFC game, it does matter. It, people are like, I know I make jokes about it. You play four NFC teams a year, and now you play five. Those games are less valuable than an AFC game when it comes to tiebreakers if, if your team is going to compete for a wild card spot. So we have to right the ship very soon. Yeah. Another positive, though, is uh, – and, also, by the way, we're going to maybe have on a Patriots super fan – who uh, who we know on the show later this week to give us a little bit of a breakdown on the Pats. Maybe we'll start doing that more consistently to be more familiar with our opponents. But some positives also. Mr. Zach Wilson is now 43rd all-time on the Jets' passing list. He passed such Jets legends, including Trevor Simeon, Al Toon, Lachlan Edwards, Leon Washington, Curtis Martin. I didn't even know the Jets had Jeff Blake. Tim Tebow, Jay Fiedler. This is the best because obviously these guys are not quarterbacks and anyone who's completed a pass. But Zach wasn't 43rd all time in the list. And right, he's right on the trails of uh, Luke Falk, Quincy Carter, <laughs> and, our, and our favorite Dick Jameson, who is uh, oh, yeah. on the 1961 Jets or the Titans, excuse me. So, dude, it's going to be fun. Zach Wilson hopefully will end up. Uh, I don't know if he's going to pass Namath at any point, but the top 10 is pretty easy to crack. You know, Smith is number 10 with just under 6,000 yards. So Zach Wilson plays hopefully two seasons as a starter. He should be in the top 10. Oh, that, oh, he would be, I think, by far. Yeah, he better be, unless he's like Sanchez's first year through like 2,000 yards. Well, I, I think – and I don't want to judge it based off one game, but I think an identity for this team very well might be wanting to run the football, not being able to, and then having to pass – late game and maybe you find games where Wilson's going to have I think Kirk Cousins yesterday 330 yards in a loss right I I think those stat lines can happen at you know even Trevor Lawrence threw 330 yep. yards but he did yep. three picks well right now also Zach Wilson is number one in Jets history in yards per game at 258 so he's uh, you know no one else is really I, close I, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up who I think was the team MVP yesterday on the field is Corey Davis. I, I don't even know what, what would happen if the Jets did not make the move to get Corey Davis because, Mike, we talked yesterday, and Mike and I started tailgating at 1045, six hours of just enjoying the hell of that day. 
we talked you you made up a good point a lot of people didn't want davis right you said right. we have enough depth we got more right at the time we didn't have more but you have mims you're getting cole crowder now moore's and and you start looking down the line barrios you're okay okay we're, we're good if they don't have Corey Davis for this game, the Jets might struggle to get double-digit first downs. Corey Davis had four first downs. Just open a, a safety net for a young quarterback. I'm just very happy. He, you, you hope that he can mimic a potential it's a, aggressive to call it uh, Brandon Marshall in 2015 because that's the best receiver season ever. But give me a little bit of that. Give me double-digit touchdowns. I love what I'm seeing from Corey Davis. Yeah, and it looked like he was even going to break the his first catch for a touchdown. He kind of tripped. I don't know if he has the breakaway speed to do that, but <clears throat> I guess what would have happened if we didn't have Corey Davis is Denzel Mims would just have to play. I just I cannot believe Denzel Mims is not a factor on this team. It doesn't make sense in my brain. Second-round pick last year, played well, averaged like 38 yards a game in that stupid offense, and – kick to the curb but like you said good thing we have Corey davis and i'm glad we don't even need to mention elijah Moore dropping the ball he's gonna be fine he's too explosive this guy he's there's a reason he you know is on the field every second um i'm not worried about elijah Moore for sure i'm not, not either but i wish they would have had more part, bigger part of the game plan i, I would have liked him what how many targets and more have three four I just would have liked him to have more of an impact. Get again, get an easy completion, maybe three or four yards. Get his feet wet. Get him going because now, you know, you don't want to hurt. I don't think he's a confident guy, but now that you had one catch for negative three yards in your opening game, we have he, more career yards than Elijah Moore. You're right. It's true. I had another point. I forgot where I was going with that one. But Mim, all right, yeah, Mims. There's something that we don't know as fans that we can't know. That's it. There it has to be. There, you don't draft someone in the second round and play a quarterback from Boston College at wide receiver over them. You just don't do it. So ha- why is it happening? Maybe he's struggling to learn the playbook. Maybe when he was out um, with the food poisoning and eating salmon, which is ridiculous, maybe – he lost burst and energy and he hasn't shown up on the field in practice, right? There's a lot of factors that could be it. Maybe he's late to team. Like you could do, you could be many things that they don't want us to know, but it has to be something because here's a huge problem. If it's not something, then it's on the coaching staff and it's on Joe Douglas because Joe Douglas, I've always said he has the ability to walk into any office and say, this guy's active or inactive. We're fucking playing this guy. And there's been a lot of times where we got mad that Frank Gore got a million carries. That uh, We make fun of Gates for it. Douglas deserves part of that blame. One, he signed him. I don't care if Gates told him to. And he kept making him active every week. And I know the coaching staff is the one who makes active and inactive. But God damn it, he's the head of football operation. You have to do something. Yeah, and if you want to talk about like the position fit, whatever – Elijah Moore, when the Jets played three receiver sets in this game, they could have just put Elijah Moore in the slot and then put Mims on the outside on those plays. You don't have to use Braxton Berrios. What is the obsession with Braxton Berrios? And he's a very solid player, and all he does is produce for us. And I don't dislike Braxton Berrios, but if it's up to me, 
you know, the five catches for 51 yards that Barrios had, throw those balls to Elijah Moore and then put Mims on the outside for those plays. I don't, maybe Elijah Moore, you know, doesn't fit in so well on the outside. I, that was, uh, you know, perplexing to me. I, I, and again, if the Jets want to do this whole youth movement thing, then why do they have to neglect guys like Denzel Mims? Great point. Good point. But I'm, I'm looking forward to New England. We'll probably do another podcast this week to talk through it. Home opener, good momentum going into it after a good second half. Zach Wilson's confident, got hit too many times. I thought he was going to be concussed after the final one. He comes oh. back and throws a great route to Corey Davis. Threw it before he even turned around, and, and that was a great touchdown. But that was all I had. Mike, anything else? Like Bill Belichick once said, we're on to New England. We are on to New England. Mike, have a good day. Good talking to you. We'll be back. I'm pumped up for this week. Oh, we'll be there. We'll be there. Let's go. All right, Mike. See you, buddy. All right, my friend. Bye. Peace.